This is Darnell Nurse from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet. Steven Stamkos has won the Mark Messier NHL Leadership Award. That was announced a couple of minutes ago earlier. Connor McDavid, the Ted Lindsay, he'll very likely win the heart later on tonight as the awards are underway in Nashville. Anze Kopitar gets the Lady Bink. And the first round of the draft is Wednesday, and then rounds two through seven will be on Saturday. The Elks play on Friday at Ottawa, 4 o'clock for the countdown to kickoff game at 5.30 here on 6.30. Ched, uh, Kai Loxley, quarterback, has been released. The Elks have signed Canadian linebacker Josiah Shackle former uh, U of A Golden Bears, just selected in the second round last year, was with the Stamps, got released uh, after training camp, and they also signed Canadian fullback Mario Valamazar. So perhaps some reinforcements coming there with uh, a team that really appears to be dis- in uh, in disarray right now. 780-496-0063. Kellen, give me uh, one message before we bring Judd on. Yeah, sure. Uh, Laser Face Larry texts in tonight and says, Hi, Reed. Check Chris Jones' record. Without Mike Riley as a starting quarterback, he's 37-50 and 50 in regular season games not started by Riley, which is a winning percentage of .425 or 425. Uh, another reminder that if you don't have a good quarterback, you do not win. Maybe Joe should have fought of that in the offseason and tried to get an established starter. That is from Laserface Larry. Well, in some of the uh, criticism Jones has faced, uh, you know, could he got uh, whoever, Dane Adams, or gone after Bo Levi, though it hasn't gone well for him in Hamilton, or whoever was out there. Uh, they hitched their wagon to Cornelius, and uh, I think it'll be Jarrett Dagey now on Friday. But uh, I suppose we'll see here as we get into the week of practice. Yeah, that, that record sounds right to me, 37-50 and 50 without Riley. On one hand, that's, that's cherry-picking a stat a little bit. But, uh, again, it's not all quarterback play. <laughs> but that's that's been part of it. And sometimes you just need your quarterback to just make a play almost single-handedly. And Cornelius certainly didn't do that enough. Daigie showed signs of being able to do that. Uh, maybe we'll see him for a full game on Friday. Uh, double E legend Jed Roberts is on the line. Frequent guest on this show. He's always welcome. Jed, how are you? I'm good. I'm a legend in my own mind, though, I think. <laughs> uh, well, I've told you several times, you're you're a legend to my uh, father for your community work, including at his former high school in Evansburg, and I think a lot of people would consider you that. And, and you got on the field yesterday. Before we we dive into the doom and gloom of, of yesterday's result, what was it like to you for you to, to see some of your 93 teammates and get recognized yesterday? Oh, it was wonderful. You know, um, it was good to see Michelle Bourgeau, my old roommate from uh, – from that year in, in 1993, and a lot of people don't realize this, but Michelle and I are both hearing impaired. So Dwayne Mandrusiak had the brilliant idea to room us together, so we missed every wake-up call that year. Um, <laughs> That's <laughs> so, I mean, amazing. Stuff like that, stuff like that, like you know, those, those, it's the stories and it's the relationships that you know that sustain you and your memories and stuff. So it was always good to see everybody, and especially. Uh, that's especially true when you win a championship. You know, that's the old saying, championship teams walk together forever. And, you know, you just pick right up where you left off. And, when you know, we're starting to lose guys, right? Like uh, Michael Soles passed away recently. And, you know, our backup quarterback, Thomas Mickey, is no longer with us. And so when you start to lose those guys, it becomes a little bit more special every time you see each other. Yeah. Well, 
you were nice ova- ovations uh, for you guys. Obviously, Gizmo and uh, and Damon Allen were, were kind of the the feature attractions, as as you might expect. As uh, I just want to break this scene here, Jed. Uh, Maddie Beneers from Seattle has won the Calder Trophy, so uh, Stuart Skinner does not get that award. I thought he had a shot at it, but uh, Beneers had a pretty good season. So, uh, just an update there from the NHL awards. Maddie Beneers wins Rookie of the Year, and I'll tell you once they send out the voting, I can tell you where Stuart Skinner came in. All right, well, I, I don't know where to begin yesterday, buddy. And we've kind of seen it over and over again. Let's start with culture. And I, I hate that word sometimes because players don't go to the rink or the stadium trying to lose. Um, no. But I almost wonder, maybe I won't use culture. You know, my, my buddy Rob Brown, as you know, often uses the words belief and doubt. And there might be some talent deficiencies on the Elks, but I also feel like there's a lot of doubt if you look at how they execute in some key situations. Well, I think that people need to understand that, you know, when you're looking at a, at a Canadian Football League roster, um, you know, it's got lots of uh, moving parts to it. And when you look at a team like, well, let's take Toronto, for example. They sat a guy this week, this past week, open, who would start for any other team in the league, right? So they have the talent, but they also have the continuity from one year to the next. And so that continuity breeds confidence in your you know, teammates, and you know that when things start to get hard, I mean, you know, the Elks came out firing in the first half, and Toronto didn't panic. You know, they scored right before the end of the half, and, and then that kind of gave them the, you know, the wherewithal to come out, you know, with the momentum and then just kind of pick up and just move. And, and I think that when you've been losing games, it kind of becomes contagious, and you just kind of, you know, you, you get the penalties. Uh, the ill ill time decisions, you know, and, you know, I saw what happened with Loxley and people are talking about that on Twitter. And, you know, I understand both sides of the, of the coin on that one in terms of like, you know, him being annoyed after being yanked after one play, but you know what, you weren't the guy that gave, they paid you a hundred grand for a signing bonus, you know, so that's why they're not going to give you as much rope as, as they did with the starter. But uh, you can't stand off to the side. You can't do that. That's a statement. And then, then people have to be held accountable and, um, unfortunately, it's a, it's a ruthless business, and Ty's a very talented young man, and I actually liked him. You know, I had some exchanges with him on Twitter, and he seems like a solid guy. But football's an emotional game; it's a game of momentum, and uh, pro, in professional sports, someone's always got to be held accountable. And unfortunately, in this case, it was him. So. Uh, yeah, that's tough because a week ago I thought maybe he should be uh, starting at quarterback, and then he gets he gets one play, and 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 now he's uh, and now he's off the team. So, uh, wh- like, what did you think of Daigie? I mean, I I don't know. Like on one hand, Jed, I'm like, well, he got back there and he made some throws, and he and he played with a little bit of moxie. The pick six was obviously not good. On the other hand, I'm thinking, well, by the time he was in the game, Toronto knows they're going to win. They're not probably playing defense exactly the same way. I agree, but you also have to remember that uh, when you're the starter, you get the reps in practice during the week. It's pretty difficult, especially in this league with all the exotic coverages that you see. When you're coming up from the U.S., you know, he has a pretty uh, well-established resume from, you know, his time in the NCAA. He moved around and had exposure to a lot of different offensive systems. He's more of a, you know, read progression guy rather than a guy that buys time with his feet, although he had that really nice play where it was kind of a fluke for a touchdown. 
uh, at the end of the game there. But uh, he's a more of a guy, I think, that with this offense, where you have to sit back and you have to read. So you go from your first to your second to your third. If you've got that much time, which has been problematic with the the play of the, especially the offensive tackle. So I'm just wondering if maybe they're going to bring Martez Ivy back from the one game. Uh, list there so i don't know i mean they've got some things it's it's oh it's only three games in and i think a lot of people are panicking but you know the luxury the 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 cool thing about this league is that there's not been that many teams in it and and you don't really need to do a whole lot to make the playoffs you just need to string some wins together and you know and i'm not going to give up on this team yet i think that uh roster you know talent wise i think that jones's uh hand prints are all over it they've got a lot better athletes in the stable this year than they have at any point in the last two or three years i think so uh, they've got guys that just need to put them in the right position and maybe daggy's the guy maybe he's not i don't know but i think that in terms of skill set he's the best quarterback they have in their stable right now for what they're trying to do on offense and maybe if he stays upright he might be able to actually complete uh, you know some passes and get them downfield and get the ball rolling because you know in the cfl you set up the run with uh, with the pass instead of vice versa like you do down south so if they can keep that uh, the ball in the air you know that i can tell you as a former defensive line nothing's more frustrating than having a guy that gets the ball and it's gone before you even get there like danny mcmanus used to do when he was with the tie cuts and if you can get a guy like that that gets into a rhythm then you can see some pretty fun stuff happen yeah, well, and that's that's the one thing I liked about. I, I don't know. He took a couple hits, but there were some plays he just he got the ball and he knew where it was going. You know, so hopefully there's a little bit of confidence. And you make a good point. If he gets a couple days of practice and he knows he's the guy, I mean, I, I always try to be optimistic, right? You you feel down after a loss and then you try to build yourself up again for the next game. But like you mentioned, the offensive line, and I don't know if you were listening in the first half hour, but we had a, a listener write in and say, Reed, how can you sit here and not talk about firing people or changes to the coaching staff um like is is that is that workable in the middle of the season i mean the offensive line coach steven sorrels was with saskatchewan last year they didn't have a good old line or is or is that too reactionary to talk about uh firing people after three weeks it's way too early for that like you maybe labor day you know if things are really really grim by then then yeah sure maybe if you want to make those moves but i think people have to also remember we're doing a lot of remembering in this conversation <laughs> is they've got the operations cap and they're already way behind the eight ball in terms of like, you know, when they had the uh, previous coaching regime, then they, they let those guys go and, and they just don't have the money. So like, you can't do it. Like it's not, Chris Jones is not going anywhere. Neither is uh, really anybody else at this point. And I know he has almost to a fault loyalty to his offensive coordinator, but you know, maybe it changes with the new guy coming in at quarterback, and maybe he's able to implement some things. And one thing that I noticed that really Cornelius struggled with the most, and it was really frustrating for me, just from a fan's perspective, was Cornelius just really struggled with throwing the ball away. You know, and sometimes I think that, you know, just throw the ball out of bounds, dude. Live to fight another day. Don't force it. Don't try to, you know, and I think that's something with this offense when you're running a running your, your progressions, that's always an option, you know, and you got to get that ball out, you know. Um, the other thing is, is this is a great receiving core, you know. I think that you and I were trade messages earlier about the fact that Chris Jones put all of his money in that basket with the receivers. And, you know, when you've got receivers like that, you just got to get the ball into their hands, man. Like, get the read, trust them to do the yak and stuff like that, and then just get the heck out of the way. So, 
I don't know. We'll see. I'm always an optimist, and I, I, I think that this team's still got a lot to work with. Uh, maybe, maybe call me foolish for that, but uh, I'll always believe, and I'll never give up. Well, I, well I'm glad. No, I, I'm glad you're saying that. I, as you know, I always appreciate optimism. I, I just was feeling really down after that uh, that game yesterday because it, uh, you know, it, it was there for like I said earlier in the show. The first 20 minutes of the game, I'm thinking like, okay, neither team's been perfect. Both teams have come up with some good plays offensively and defensively like let's settle in for a you know maybe a really hotly contested game and, and then it just it, it just sort of it just sort of slipped away right and I guess that's what I was talking about earlier about the the belief uh, the belief versus the doubt so uh, I don't know uh, would you now having said that about the offensive coordinator and maybe the quarterback uh, will change things like it, are, are there not better plays. Is like, is there a different way to attack that you think is worth trying for the Elks? Well, I think that you know, if you were going to do that, I think that you probably would have done that with Cornelius because of the fact that he can buy himself time with his feet. And that's what I thought they would do last week is I thought they would move the pocket. They would have him rolling out. They would do some over-unders with the receivers and, you know, spring try to spring guys open that way. But they didn't really seem to do that. You know, they just seemed to like, you know, we're, just, we're not really going to change much. We're just going to do what we do and hope for the best. And I just don't, for whatever reason, you know, Cornelius just never really looked like he was comfortable back. There and I know it could be because the O line wasn't holding their blocks on pass, and it could be because they weren't firing off on the ball on the run, which was giving them, you know, the ability to play from second and short. You know, when your your playbook gets a lot smaller, you know, when you're uh, <laughs> when you're a second and long, right? So you've got to, you know, if you can establish the run and you can get going, get things going in a rhythm. I actually like the first half. I thought they were fine, and then just the wheels came out off in the second half and that just kind of brings us back to our original point about like when you've got guys that have been playing together and they know you know they know that they've built that trust but when you've got constant roster turnover it's very difficult to establish that trust you know think about your workplace i mean you working with some new people every day are you going to feel comfortable are you going to trust these people like are you a trusting person i don't know i mean i am but to a point right so they just need to keep grinding they need to keep working and you know put a great week of practice together if any if any game was a good game for them to have a rebound is this week against ottawa against an equally uh you know struggling team and, and you know they, they they're they're perfectly poised to go in and make a statement and maybe uh, get 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 a win and come back and <laughs> you know the home win thing i'm not even going to touch that anymore it's just uh it's just getting so bad. You just got to kind of laugh, I guess, at this point. So. Yeah. Well, I don't care where they win at this point. You can play the games on the moon as long as they they start winning. It does. It doesn't really matter to me. All right, Jed. Uh, you are always incredibly generous with your time. You're always great at, at breaking down the game and, and 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 giving us a former player's perspective. I, I do think maybe if you've uh, well, I think you have been a bit of a calming voice tonight. So thank you so much for checking in. I love having you on the show, and I hope to. See See you around the city soon, man. Thank you, Reed. Always fun. That is Jed Roberts, uh, former linebacker and defensive end for the Double E '93 Grey Cup champion. Uh, I feel like I needed that too. <laughs> you know, it's uh, it's nice to have uh, Jed on the show, and he's uh, he's probably a little uh, calmer and positive about things than than I was being earlier in the show. All right, so we'll see. 780-496-0063. We'll keep you updated on the NHL awards. Again, if you missed it earlier, 
Stuart Skinner does not win the Calder. That goes to Beniers. McDavid does with the Ted Lindsay. Patrice Bergeron has uh, just won the Selkie. This is Inside Sports on Chet. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by James H. Brown and Associates, Alberta Injury Lawyers, the heavy hitters of injury law. Well, how about this? Taylor Hall on the move again. Bruins trading Hall and the rights to Nick Felino to Chicago in exchange for a couple of pending restricted free agents, Alec Regula and Ian Mitchell, who is from St. Albert. 780-496-0063. Kellen, go ahead, please. All right. Well, KS was fired up about the last segment, basically just saying, hey, Reed, Jed Roberts is the best guest ever, and he included two exclamation marks at the end, so he really loved that segment. So there you I, go. Uh, I think Jed is uh, outstanding when he's on the show. Thank you for that. Biglet texts in and says, Reed, despite the lopsided score in the end, that was a winnable game for the Elks. It was basically tied at halftime, but they just kept making mistakes in the third quarter. It's frustrating because I do see talent at times, but they can't get it out of their own way. That's from Biglet. Well, that uh, unfortunately, that is is part of it is is the self-inflicted wounds, and we even talked about that in training camp and going into the season, how much of a problem that was last year, and it remains part of the problem again this year, which yes, I, certainly frustrating is a word that applies. Anonymous text uh, coming in on the text line as well saying, I think in regards to Coach Jones, I think we have to believe in him and give him time. Winnipeg used to be the bottom of the basement for years, but they stuck with their their core when they found the right coaching staff, and look at them now. They're a powerhouse in the CFL. Well, they also got Zach Kalaros, right? And that, again, ties back to another one of our themes is is quarterback play. Uh, Winnipeg... Uh, how far back do we go here? Through Winnipeg lost the Grey Cup in 2011, and then they were fairly bad: six and 12, three and 15, seven and 11, and five and 13. So they had four years out of the playoffs, never won more than seven games since 2016. They haven't had less than 10 wins in a season. All right. Uh, Randall texts in and says, I'm glad it looks like the Elks have found a returner. Sims was very exciting, but that was about the only thing fun about the game. The scoring drives were aided by penalties, and the play at the end was a meaningless fluke. This team can't make plays when it counts. That's from Randall. Uh, Well, yeah, I understand that message for sure. Uh, Sims, we should bring it up. Sims was good. I mean, if we're going to talk about the game as a whole, then, you know, we got to point out some positives. Well, Sims had what, uh, I noted it here, a 42-yard punt return, a 52-yard punt return. He had a kickoff return of 72 yards. He looked exciting. So, and his, you know, his first long return helped set up the, the first touchdown of the game for the Elks. So, yes, it, that's fair. Sims Sims was very good and gives you a little hope there at return. Mm-hmm. Uh, one quick one here for you, Reed, from Warren. The Elks finally scored enough to win, but now the defense doesn't show up. They knew the Argos can't run the ball. Why weren't they ready for it? I assume he meant that the Argos can run the ball, not can't. Go. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, I, I guess there, I mean, we're talking about the Elks in the context of them losing again. I, I do think we also have to remember that there are some teams in the league that have strengths and the Argos strength is their own line and their running backs and I guess their strength beat the uh, elk strength yesterday if you want to look at the running game but yes it w- you needed you needed more stops for sure 7804960063 we'll keep you updated on the uh, awards and a quick uh, draft preview as well with Sam Cosentino 